Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Welcome to a very special episode of that Early Childhood Nerd. This is our 100th episode, um, which I'm really excited about, although I didn't really realize it was going to be the 100th till I sent like the 95th episode to Jeff. and He said, oh, look at you, (laughs) getting close to 100. Um, So I have a a special guest for this episode. It's author Angela Hanscom. She wrote the book Balanced and Barefoot, How Unrestricted Outdoor Play Makes for Strong, Confident, and Capable Children. So welcome, Angela. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Would you like to tell everybody about yourself and your book and whatever you want them to know before we start talking? Sure. That sounds good. So I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, and I've worked just about everywhere from um, rehab units to working with preemies to home health. And um, But most of my experience was actually in a clinic setting, in a sensory gym. And I worked there for for years before um, I stayed home with my children. And I just started um, noticing a rise in sensory issues. And so that kind of got me on the path of working outdoors with kids. And so I run Timbernook, which is um, now an international company, which is hard to believe. It was never my plan to do this. <laughs> and, and the book came about um, through observations of um, watching children in classrooms and seeing um, behaviors and different sensory issues and comparing that to what we were seeing out in the woods with children. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm really pretty new to the idea of pediatric occupational therapy. Um, So this is really of interest to me. I mean, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I have a lot of really strong connections to my own outdoor experiences from when I was a child. So reading the book was really like, oh, every child should have this experience. And I I think that's wonderful, but um, currently I'm a, uh, a preschool teacher in a clinical setting at Purdue's uh, speech, language, and hearing sciences. So we work with kids with speech and language disorders primarily with lots of grad- graduate clinicians in there with us. And so that's where I first heard about occupational therapy for children with sensory issues because we've had to collaborate and and conference with, with some OTs for that. So that was it. Anytime I can learn more about that side of it, um, I feel like I can do better for the children I've got. So that's another reason I really liked the book and oh, good. The, the fact that, that you were there to, to do that for those children. So um, for those who are listening, they know we usually have a quote that we unpack and um, we're actually going to do several quotes from the book tonight and just get your, your thoughts or, or talk back and forth about it. The first one is from very early in the book. And um, so you said, I can't help but think that this boy's self-esteem is plummeting all because he needs to move more often. And um, that, that really struck me. I, um, I also just read uh, not too long ago a book called We Don't Play With Guns Here. Uh, was another uh, a point that that author made was that when we're constantly telling children that their ideas are wrong or what their body wants them to do is wrong, how is that possibly supporting their development? So w- would you talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, interesting because I was getting phone calls, um, a couple phone calls from parents 
um, about that particular issue that they were getting like marked down or they were getting in trouble because they were fidgeting a lot. Mm -hmm. And these are like, these are preschool children (laughs) that should be playing. And so it's really um, shows a lot about our society and how what we think is, is abnormal is actually very normal. And um, to, to say a child is, you know, not supposed to be moving uh, or fidgeting is, is, is actually really wrong. And so, (laughs) um, and there's a reason behind it too. I think once, um, teachers and parents understand why if a ch- child is really excessively fidgeting a lot, that it's a good indicator. They just need to move more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, one of the things that's sort of frustrating for me is when we frame, um, giving children movement experience as some sort of convenience for our, like, well, let's just let them get this energy out and then they'll be more willing to do what we want them to do <laughs> instead of recognize this is really something that their body needs. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't really work that way either. (laughs) They just get the energy out. Yeah. It's just like the whole um, movement breaks, you know, where they have five minutes to move or if they have a 20 minute recess session, sometimes those kids are more, their arousal level increases before they regulate that. And so they're sometimes more off the walls. Uh Um, And so they just need more, more time Mm -hmm. and to be able to move in all different ways, not just move in general. Yeah. And, and I don't know that it's an intentional decision for children. You know, like I don't, I'm tired of sitting. I'm going to, I'm going to get up and move myself around. It's, I I would imagine it's more like their body's telling them what it needs and they're just following that direction. And then the adults around them are telling them that that's a bad thing. And I think that would be such a confusing place for a young child to be. Yes. So then that kind of leads into the next one. Um, where you said in the book, children literally thrive by challenging their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that, are you talking about like what we would call risky play or just any kind of really, movement kind of thing? Well, really a, a child's neurological system is designed to seek out the sensory input they need at any given time. So, um, you know, if a child's spinning in circles, um, or rolling down the hill, there's a, usually a reason for it. Or if they're trying to like um, master a skill, they'll practice it over and over again. And where we get in trouble is when we tell them to stop spinning because they're going to get dizzy or get down from the rock because you're going to get hurt. Uh-huh. Then we become the barrier to, to that development. They're really trying to organize their senses mm-hmm. um, by doing that. And if we're constantly restricting them and, say, and saying stop, 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 um, we're not allowing the neurological system to do its job. Okay. Um, can you yeah. can you explain? Because this again is something that I'm sure. just kind of learning about. Is in, when you say they're looking for the sensory input they need, why do they need it, and mm-hmm. and what do you mean by that? Okay, sure. So, <laughs> well, to, well, if you think about little children, are designed to they're designed to move around and to play, and um, so. Um, really what needs to happen is they need to move in all different directions Uh um, so that inside your inner ear are little hair cells and the fluid needs to move back and forth to stimulate the hair cells and that develops your vestibular system and that sense is key to all the other senses and it helps to organize the senses um, so that children can be able to regulate their emotions um, be able to regulate activity level so sometimes kids they're off the wall all the time. We call it like they're very hyperactive. That's not, that's not typical. They really should be able to bring that back down again. Okay. Um, 
the vestibular system helps you to know where your body is in space mm -hmm. so that you can walk without tripping. Um, it helps you to pay attention. It turns your brain on so you can pay attention. Uh -huh. um, but, it, but if a child is not as restricted over and over, that system is underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. And so it can affect it, all parts of development. Um, yeah, one thing so, that I've, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, sure. One, one thing that I've heard a lot in this new context that I'm in, I've only, I've only been in this, this job that I'm in since right. August, is um, describing children as being sensory seeking and that's sort of listed as a, a symptom of their disorder um, mm -hmm. or as something that we, we need to fix about them. Um, mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who was taught who was describing a child in that way being sensory seeking as sort of a negative right well I think that child is probably craving that sensory input more uh -huh. so for instance if they're um, wanting to play in dirt um, you know or get messy that's like a symptom of sensory seeking uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> but really that that's just an indicator that they need more, they of, need it. more of it um, yeah and it might we might want to look at their environment are they not getting enough stimulation uh -huh. To their senses yeah. um yeah <laughs> we've got one little guy that i could watch all day he just wants to paint his hands and yeah. and paint <laughs> he always takes these little toy gorillas over to the easel and just sits and just very paints it over and over and then it goes to the sink and he washes it comes back and he paints it again and then he gets his hands and it's it's just really interesting to me and i imagine that's kind of what's happening with him is he just yeah. needs that little bit of extra a craving a little extra input. Yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, that's he's totally normal he's really focused yeah. on it and so serious right. and, but then in another conversation someone will talk about him having a short attention span I'm like are you <laughs> kidding have you seen him paint <laughs> Right, exactly. Because what's what's truly meaningful to him, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you you talk to about um, there being more than five senses, really, mm -hmm. and um, th that's also sort of new to me. Those those ideas of the vestibular sense, right, yeah. is one. And yeah. then so this is I'm not going to say it right because I've never tried to say it out loud before. <laughs> I've only read it. But, you know, proprioception. Yeah, okay, that's right. So, proprioception <laughs> is the ability to sense what different parts of your body are doing uh, without even looking at them. Um, and and you've right. already talked about vestibular a little bit, but talk a little yeah. bit about that. I have to look at it again. Sure. Proprioception. proprioception. <laughs> sure. So that's the senses in your joints and muscles. Okay. Um, and that's um, that's actually stimulated and developed through heavy work. So if if you think about outdoor play and think of how much heavy work they're getting, right? They're digging in the dirt for hours, uh -huh. they're picking up big rocks to build a dam. And so, and climbing trees gives you nice um, senses to the joints and muscles, and it helps you to do things like regulate how much force to use when you play games like tag, oh, okay. or when you're playing with other children, um, you know, so you're not squeezing them too hard, or a baby chick, maybe, you know, some kids that go to hold a, a little animal and they want to squeeze it. <laughs> Um, yeah. Or even, you know, writing with pencils okay. and breaking the lead or they're not writing hard enough. Uh -huh. So it's that, that piece is really important. And a lot of kids, um, because there's a huge reduction in outdoor play, they're not getting as much heavy work as they yeah. need. So those senses are off and um, they're actually noticing that kids are getting a little more aggressive on the playground yeah. um, is a, a very common complaint from teachers. And the idea of heavy work is sort of new to me too. Um, yeah. And again, I hear it mostly in a context of there's something we want to stop about what this child's doing. So maybe if we give him some heavy work 
and, no, and then we're creating these really inauthentic ways of giving them heavy work, like right, like putting a weighted thing on them. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's <laughs> right. it's really so much nicer to think about that happening yeah. through right digging in the dirt and climbing. Exactly. So even it happens going naturally. Up the slide is, is mm-hmm. sort of yeah, be, yeah, because you're getting any resistance or pushing or pulling is heavy work. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that's how we treat the issues with regulation and also like knowing where your limbs are in relation to others, uh-huh. other parts of your body. Okay. So, And I imagine that that's something, so a lot, a lot of times when I'm talking with people about young children, is, especially if I'm talking about just letting them play, it's hard for adults mm-hmm. to understand because um, we're so far beyond that now ourselves. Like we don't think in those terms. We've already sort of worked through those issues. And so I think maybe this, this is feeds into this unrestricted outdoor play too. We don't understand the value of it. So we don't mm-hmm. seek out right. intentional ways for us to be offering better opportunities. Right. Yeah. A lot of it, like even occupational therapists will do this. We get in the habit of doing like protocols mm-hmm. or we have a child and a therapist and we're kind of doing a pre pre like expected activity with them. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily meaningful for a child. And a lot of times with outdoor play, it's very different. You have a bigger space, you have other children out there. And so that inspires kids to play and move in ways that they might not. Uh And there's a fear component to when there's an expectation placed on you by an adult. So when you're in therapy or you're in a classroom and everyone's expected to do something in a restricted place, uh-huh. um, there's, there's often more anxiety. Oh, um, sure. With that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I have a really hard time with, um, so like I, I mentioned, we have grad students who, right. who come in and work in this clinic that I'm part of now, and they don't have a lot of experience with children and they're speech language experts. Like they, this isn't something they've had to think about before. And when right. we do orientation and we talk about um, especially outdoor play. Um, you know, I talk to them a lot about not limiting what children are trying to do and not project our own fears onto right. them. And if you're nervous, yes. just move closer. Don't necessarily say stop because if, if we're yeah. constantly telling them that everything is unsafe, right? Really, if you touch on this in the book, then they aren't able to assess that risk themselves. They don't, right. they don't get that experience. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. Um, Yeah. Sometimes even just like suggesting, like for us, when kids play outside, um, sometimes it's so great for them to go barefoot for many reasons, but even just suggesting that they take their shoes off um, can actually rise anxiety level with kids that have any sensory issues. Um, So we never suggest that kids go barefoot. We just model or the other, some kids will take their shoes off and then kids will say, can I do that? Uh So it's also, we're also very careful about um, you know, just letting everything play be a choice, but also a choice for stuff like that as well. It. Yeah, I yeah. I thought you were going to say it raises the anxiety level in adults to suggest kids should be able to take their shoes off oh, because that's kind yeah, of a big issue in childcare programs. <laughs> People lose their minds if you suggest that it's okay for oh my gosh. to not have their shoes I know, <laughs> so it's true, yeah, but it's, so it's, yeah. it's the fire marshal's fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's He's right. got us all scared. About that. So, but that, that this idea of safety, uh, I'm going to jump ahead and do some quotes out of order. I, sure. I'm, I don't imagine you have your book memorized so that you would know if I was doing them out of order. <laughs> no, um, that's fine. So, a little bit later, you say, and if they do fall, many times a bruise or a scrape serve as a far better learning experience than a parent repeating, be careful every few minutes. Yes. Um, and I think I've I, like, I've tried to say that to, to people um, 
that work with young children and they think I'm so heartless. Like they think I just don't care if kids get hurt. Um, and I imagine you, you at Timbernook, that's a big part of your, your conversation with parents maybe. Yeah, we actually try not, you know, we try not to make it a big deal oh. if they get hurt. We don't have a lot of, um, it's really more, you know, we're there for safety, but little cuts and scrapes, we don't make it a big deal uh -huh. because, because yeah, the adults sometimes overreact to stuff yeah. like that as well. Yeah. Um, and it really is part of childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. and it's not that we don't, you know, we don't care if they get hurt. It's that we, we have this sort of realistic right. big picture yep. outlook. But, and the other interesting thing is children are actually, what we're noticing is they're becoming more sensitive to, to boo-boos. Mm. <laughs> like it's almost like their skin isn't used to it. And so oh. um, they'll be like, I need a Band-Aid. You know, they panic. There's more fear around uh -huh. them when they, when they get a scrape or a cut. Sure. And that's, yeah. that's taught by us, I would imagine. That's not, yeah. you know. Right. I'm sure it's not that the children just came out of the womb differently than they used to. Right. Well, and the, if you don't get a lot of exposure to outdoor play, mm -hmm. it might feel like a big deal sure. and you might be more sensitive. You don't, you haven't built up the resilience or the toughness uh -huh. of your skin. And, you know, so I wonder if there's some sensory components to that sure. as well. And and probably just, uh, um, you haven't had as many experiences of it being okay. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. That you'll get better. Yeah. Yeah. The psychological yeah. piece too. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to hear you talk about was um, baby containers. <laughs> oh, sure, that's yeah. another kind of hot topic with a lot of uh, child care folks that I talked to. And certainly when yeah. I was a center director, it was an argument I always had because it was easier to manage groups of babies if most of them were strapped right. into something and um, sure. baby swings and that kind of, you know, seats and those little bumps whatever they're called. So what you say, right. what you say in the book is that a young age, children are placed in baby devices that restrict natural movement and good posture, leading to altered walking patterns and unnecessary full body weakness. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. make your case for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Um, yeah, so we can, um, you know, if you sit so, so for too long in certain positions, you can shorten muscles mm -hmm. um, and then certain muscles that should, what might lengthen on the other side that shouldn't be. And so you can alter the gait oh. for children. Um, and then the other, the other thing is actually um, is the senses. So if children let's, so when a ch child is born, mm -hmm. their vestibular systems fully functioning, um, they're able to like, so they've tested um, children's eye nystigmus, it's like called nystigmus basically. And you, you spin a baby and you look at their eyes and make sure that they have, I know it sounds crazy, but you look to see they have a normal eye response. Okay. And, um, and they have compared that to older children. And it's, so um, it's fully functioning when they're born basically, unless they're a preemie. Uh -huh. It's not like vision where you see black and white when you're born. Uh -huh. um, however, if you restrict children's movement and keep them upright as babies over and over and put them in containers, what's happening is they're not moving in different directions and that fluid in the inner ear that we talked about earlier uh -huh. can, thicken, can thicken and they can start getting ear infections and they also have... Um, they'll have more trouble with body awareness and all those uh, organization of the senses that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have children that are um, dysregulated mm -hmm. at an earlier age and less prepared for learning and all you need this as a foundation for learning and attention. Right. Uh, 
that we talked about. It does seem like I, I, it does seem like there's more ear infections than I ever remember there being 20, yeah. you know, 20, yeah. 30 years ago when I first started to do the work. Maybe right. That's, yeah. Maybe that's a piece so, of it too. Yep. Um, and we want to put babies, you know, outside too oh, at an early age. What I yeah. see is a lot of times people will wait till the kids two or three and stick them on the grass <laughs> or the sand. And then they get, they're more aware of that stimuli being different. And so there's going to be more anxiety uh -huh. again. Um, and, but if you start at an early age and put babies down on the dirt in the grass, um, they have time to integrate that light touch sense that might feel aversive to kids. Uh -huh. So like through crawling, you're putting deep pressure, which helps to override that light touch sense. So as they crawl, they're integrating that light touch sense so they can tolerate those getting messy, uh -huh. um, from an early age. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so what do you, what would you say to someone? Um, let's just pretend. I'm a center director right. and I have a, an infant teacher who will not take babies outside because yeah. they put right. things in their mouths and they're concerned about that. Mm -hmm. So what would you say yeah. there? Well, I would say set up an, a, a yes environment, you know, an environment um, where it's relatively safe, like, you know, remove things like glass and, um, you know, <laughs> yes. things that they really shouldn't. And it's okay if that's how kids, um, babies learn through their mouth, right. mouthing things. So like putting a stick in their mouth is not a big deal, mm -hmm. um, you know, but removing some of the stuff that... Um, and then monitoring them, you need to just pay attention. But they really should be outside um, from an early age. And I'd argue all the benefits um, versus the couple hazards, right. you know, that you have to keep an eye out. It's just a, more work, but it's well worth it. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think we get into a habit of the worst, the worst case, like that what if thinking. Oh, yeah, that, the fear. And, yeah. and, you know, it comes from a good place. We have this protective urge. and We know that it's our yeah. job to keep these children safe. Um, right. But we, I think we do it right. wrong or in a misinformed yeah. way. Well, we're letting, we're letting fear get in the way of what's right for children. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought I had something else. But now I don't remember. I don't know. That, that baby one just always gets me. The, the baby containers, yeah. that's, that's sort of one of my, my hot topics. And yeah. For me, it's, it's always been about, um, well, then they don't have a practice. They don't have a chance to practice the, mus the muscle movement. Oh, yeah. And they don't get to explore. Um, yep. And you've just added, you know, another yeah. layer of, right. of mandate. All the movement us. patterns. And, and there's so much. I mean, yeah. we could talk a whole hour on babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh goodness, let's 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 just say, um, or let me just ask you, what is, um, I guess, the biggest joy for you in seeing children play outside, or seeing children have that unrestricted? What's the best part of it for you? Yeah, it's so much fun watching them um, come up with their own play schemes. Uh -huh. um, we found over the years. Um, when, if you could fast, like kind of re rewind and watch the beginning of Timbernook, we used to kind of entertain kids uh -huh. and we learned over the time that free play, how important that was. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, and how long it took for kids to dive into play. Um, we found it took a good 45 minutes just for them to dive yeah. deep into play. Um, but it's fun to watch what kind of play schemes they do and each year gets more and more creative. Uh -huh. um, so our older kids, so we, we do four to seven is very typical and then seven to 12 
And the older kids will create whole societies out there in the woods. Um, one time this little boy blew a horn, um, which I, I was like, where did he get that horn? <laughs> but it was like, he did woo, uh-huh. and all of a sudden all these kids came running out from the woods and circled around him, and he was in a tree, and he was, you know, saying, you're top spy, top commander, and um, really just giving, like, a hierarchy uh-huh. to the kids and roles, uh-huh. and then they had a, a war against this rock clan that was out in the other part of the woods, and they um, they battled for jewels, <laughs> and they... Then they, um, each year, what happens, it gets more and more creative. And so every year we'll say, this is the most creative we've ever seen. Uh But then it gets more advanced because a um, a good portion of kids come back Uh and they have different play ideas and they they play off each other. And so, you know, they create trading posts and then they decide that they're going to steal and then that's not nice. So they go back to trading. And so it's it's very interesting to watch the different play behaviors out there. Yeah. And I think that that is in addition to the physical benefits, cognitively so much deeper than anything that we could offer them if we were setting something right. up or inventing oh, yeah. a game or, or anything. Yeah. I, I just think that's really amazing. And I think if more of us had the opportunity to just sit and watch that kind of play, yeah, um, it's it's so fun. <laughs> we, we would all be a lot more open to the idea. I know. Yeah. yeah. When I first um, ordered the book, I wondered if the word unrestricted in the title scared people off. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because we wanted to say unstructured, but it was not really like after reading Peter Gray's work, mm-hmm. you know, like he's so right where it's not really, you know, the kids structure, right. it. they put their own rules to it. And so unrestricted felt right because we we were also talking about movement and yeah, more advanced levels of play. Uh-huh. So that's a good yeah. point. I've been trying to, to use the word unstructured more often um, mm-hmm. because free play has just this negative like I, I I lose the person I'm talking to most of the time if I say free play. Right. So I was like, well, maybe I'll switch sure. to unstructured, but that's a really good point. I need to switch to unrestricted. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just get away from that. that idea yeah. Um, yeah. Well, do you have any last thoughts or any, anything you wished that I was going to ask you or you hoped you'd get to say tonight? Um, well, I could, I could talk for days about this, <laughs> but, um, um, I guess, um, I don't know. It depends. Um, I think just like depending on who the audience yeah. is, but, um, for, for teachers, I think that we, we really need to kind of re- rethink taking away outdoor play mm-hmm. and, and restricting it so much that they can't get to higher levels of play. You know, these 20 minute recess sessions, um, it's not enough to, to get to um, actual play schemes. They figure out who they're going to play with, what they're going to do, and then the bell rings. You know, they never get to do those higher level play schemes right. um, and work on social skills that we're seeing a huge, we're huge issues with as well. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would recommend for schools to have at least an hour recess session or an hour playtime mm-hmm. somewhere. You know, somewhere. these quick breaks, it's just not enough for social development. And then for parents, I recommend kind of phasing the adults out over time. So, you know, starting out with going out with your children, mm-hmm. especially when they're little, <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe not pointing everything out to children because we tend to interrupt their play Absolutely, a lot yes. and it, it breaks the flow. So, and, and then, you know, just backing up and, and inviting friends over for, for the whole day mm-hmm. to inspire kids to play in different ways um, are, are probably my biggest recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I, I'm, 
excuse me, it's another one of my soapbox mm -hmm. issues, the idea that we yes. interrupt children in their play so much. And I right. think some of them will just stop trying because they're I mean, like, well, I always get interrupted. So why would I, right. why would I start? And then maybe we see some of those things we don't want to see Absolutely. them doing, or they, they learn, they learn not to pay attention. And so their, yeah. their attention span is actually affected by our own behavior. Yeah. And then we complain and that they have a short attention span. <laughs> I know. And also, if you think about their whole, like even school structure, they have so many transitions. Yeah. Every, like, and so they don't, um, it's very dysregulated yeah. and they don't get into that flow yeah. and that grounding that we, that we should be seeing. Well, thank you so much for being yeah, on. I welcome. really appreciate it. I, I could listen to you talk for hours. So, um, <laughs> I could, yeah, so I think that this is yeah. just a really interesting topic for me. Um, I hope that the listeners all thought so too. And yeah. thank you for the book. It was such a good read. It was. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And thank you Thanks. to everyone who's been listening for a hundred episodes. I think that's amazing and weird <laughs> that there's enough of you who still want to hear my ramblings that you've been around for all these episodes. So I appreciate that. And thanks again, Angela, for being on. Thank you. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. Thank you.